Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. The other side of midnight. Local spotlight. Good morrow, everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. I have talked before about the fact that I went to New York University, both for undergraduate school and graduate school. I never finished graduate school, but one day I'd love to go back and finish. And what I have, I think, alluded to from time to time is the fact that I barely got in to NYU. My grades were mediocre, but I was involved in a lot of extracurricular activities, did well on the SATs, had a lot of nice letters of recommendation, that sort of thing. But the one thing that I did to get into NYU is something that state lawmakers are looking at banning. I applied to NYU early admission. It was the only school that I applied to, and it's a common thing. If you know what school you want to go to, you apply early admission with the understanding that if they accept you, you have to go there. And it worked out well for me because it was the only school that I wanted to go to. If you want to apply to a bunch of different schools, you're not sure what school you want to apply to, then maybe it's not a good thing for you. But for me, strategically, it was the best move. And now, I could not believe this, but now I read yesterday that state lawmakers are eyeing a ban on the practice of early admission to colleges and universities as the legislative season nears its end, with progressives claiming that the practice is racist. Supporters of a bill that would outlaw early admission, in which prospective students do what I just described, they say this disproportionately helps white and wealthy students get into prestigious schools like Columbia, NYU, and Cornell. This is nonsense. Assemblymember Latrice Walker. The bill seeks to eliminate structural barriers created by legacy and early admissions policies, which tend to reward connected and affluent white students. This is a load of bupkis. There is nothing that stops you if you're black, brown, yellow, purple, whatever color in the world, from applying to a school early admission. If this law was in place when I applied to college, I don't know that I would have gotten into NYU. I think my whole life might have been different. I think this is ridiculous. Not everything is a racial issue. If we're talking about educational opportunities that certain children don't enjoy, let's talk about how to get those children educational opportunities. Don't screw up early admission, which works for a lot of young people like it did for me. Beam me up. To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. Good morrow, everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. We've been talking a lot about this Jordan Neely case, which is just so sad and a tragedy. Well, now, the family of Jordan Neely spoke out yesterday in a statement urging Mayor Eric Adams to reach out to them. What? This family, who, as far as I'm concerned, I don't like to cast judgment about what goes on in any familial unit. And look, I realize that uh, Jordan Neely was mentally ill, but he was an adult. 
this family could have done so much more to get Jordan Neely the help that he needed. Maybe, I don't know, the first time he was arrested, or the 10th, or the 15th, or the 20th, or the 25th, or the 30th, or the 35th, or the 40th. And instead, the family, to me, seems to be looking, and I don't like to, I don't like to make judgments about anybody's grief, but the family looks to me like they're looking for some sort of a payday, or some sort of fame, or some sort of recognition, because they happen to have a loved one who died in a tragic manner. Who are you to demand that the mayor of the city of New York, Eric Adams, give you a call? Should the mayor be just interfering and taking sides in every criminal investigation? As far as I'm concerned, the mayor is one of the few citywide elected officials that has actually behaved in a very responsible manner as far as this whole thing goes by saying, let's let the process play out. If the mayor were to reach out to the family and say, I don't know, anything, and then the family runs to the press and say, you know, the mayor called us, what do you think that would do in terms of the pressure to issue an indictment by the DA's office? What do you think that would do in terms of settlement talks? I realize I talked about a similar case yesterday involving the mother of a Navy SEAL person who was killed yesterday. I don't think it's the same at all. I think when you're the mayor of the city of New York, there's a certain stature that comes when you reach out to anybody. And I think for the family to spend any time demanding that the mayor reach out to them, when as far as I'm concerned, they are at least partially to blame for not getting Jordan Neely the help that he needed. I think it's outrageous. I don't know where this family's priorities are. To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. New York City Republican Council member Ina Vernikov of Brooklyn is being sued by a constituent who alleges she broke the law by blocking her on Twitter, a case with striking similarities to a successful lawsuit brought against Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez a few years ago. There have been other similar cases as well, and essentially what the courts have indicated is that they view tweets by public officials as public records. And this has come up with a couple of people that Donald Trump tried to block while he was president, and these tweets are public records. And I am very eager to see how this case works out, because there are a few people that have me blocked from Twitter. One is Randy Credico, one is Mark Simone, and one is the Westchester County District Attorney Miriam Rocha. Now, she blocked me when she was just a former federal prosecutor trying to become a left-wing TV pundit on MSNBC, but she's now the Westchester County DA. She's now a public official and she has me blocked. So what I have done is I have reached out to an attorney and I have asked this attorney to draw up a demand letter politely asking the Westchester County DA to unblock me from Twitter. And if she refuses... I will be bringing a similar lawsuit to the one that uh, this particular voter has brought against Councilmember Ina Vernikov. Now, it's not a perfectly similar case because I'm not a resident of Westchester County, but my tax dollars as a taxpayer in the state of New York does help to pay, at least in part, the salary of the Westchester County DA. So how does she get off blocking me from her tweets? I'll let you know where this ends up, but I expect there's going to be some movement on this in the next few days. We'll see where it goes. Beam me up! To be continued.
The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. Well, the boss is dead. Long live the boss. Do you know who George Norcross is? I'm betting, especially if you live in New Jersey, particularly South Jersey, you know the name. George Norcross, who has never held elective office, but was for more than two decades consistently among the most powerful people in the state of New Jersey. He essentially ran the South Jersey Democratic political machine over the last several years. And uh, he says he is stepping down. He admits the 2021 election was a catastrophic blow to the South Jersey Democratic political operation and that he's been involuntarily pushed, that's the quote, involuntarily pushed to a different place ever since. He told Politico New Jersey, we had a great run for almost 25 years. So his super PAC has raised in the past and spent millions of dollars on New Jersey elections. And perhaps this is why the super PAC has raised zero dollars last quarter. It also coincides with news of subpoenas in Camden, Norcross fighting with the Senate President Nick Scateri, and it comes a few years after Norcross officially moved to Florida. Imagine that. The most powerful boss in South Jersey has been living in Florida. However, there's one aspect of this that I think could bring George Norcross right back to power come two years from now. His very good friend, Steve Sweeney, who's been the beneficiary of a lot of Norcross largesse over the years. Steve Sweeney, the former Senate president who was defeated in sort of an upset in uh, 2021, looks to be running for governor. And Norcross says he's still going to support him. Norcross also did not say he's giving up his chairmanship of Cooper or his insurance brokerage. And both have extensive ties to the government. So, pardon me, but I, and I have a feeling a lot of others, are pretty skeptical about whether or not Norcross really will make his influence in South Jersey politics scarce. But if Norcross says he's stepping down, I guess we can only take him at his word for now. Beam me up! To be continued. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.